Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to episode 87. We are so glad you've joined us for today's podcast. Our mission on the Church Leadership Podcast is to encourage and equip you to lead in the local church. And uh, we're glad that you've joined us for this conversation. Before we get there, I want to remind you to subscribe to our podcast. We don't want you to miss a single episode. And we'd love for you to rate our podcast. That helps get the word out about the podcast. Real easy way for you to do that. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash CLP. Ratethispodcast.com slash CLP. And if you're new to our podcast, we encourage you to go and listen to any of the previous eight. 86 episodes, and uh, we know, as we have been encouraged in these conversations, that you will be too. Now, here's today's conversation. We are so glad you're joining us this week. We have a special guest with us, uh, our friend Matt Alexander, who serves as the uh, senior pastor there at First Baptist Church of Gadsden, Alabama. Matt, we're so glad that you're taking time out of your schedule to join us on the podcast this week, man. Man, it's great to be here. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the invitation. Absolutely, man. We're excited to uh, to have this conversation with you and, you know, watching you, I guess, from, from somewhat afar. I mean, we've, we've been in the same room a few times and talked a few times, but um, just watching God use you, it's been encouraging to us. And uh, so we want to talk a little bit about how God has used you there and in that ministry setting. You've been there about eight years yep. and uh, you've seen a lot of stuff. And so uh, one of your passions is church revitalization. That is our passion as well. And, uh, and so you've seen God, over those eight years, revitalize that church. So, you know, for those listening who don't know and those watching who aren't aware, you know, Gadsden's not a tiny town. It's not a really small town, but it's kind of a typical traditional southern town. And uh, so there's some unique challenges and opportunities, I think, pastoring in a church like that. So tell us a little bit about how God has used you there and, and really some of the unique things that you have encountered pastoring in that setting. Yeah, so <clears throat> I've I was 26 years old when I when my wife and I moved to Gadsden. So I um I was finishing up. I was pastoring in Kentucky in r- rural Kentucky, right outside Louisville. I was finishing up my s- seminary degree, and I actually had like 17 hours of seminary left when I moved to Gadsden. So um, most most pastors here over the years had had doctoral degrees at some some level or another, and so. Um, it was a it was a big risk at a lot of levels I think for the search committee to bring to bring me here uh, at, at at my age and experience level and all this kind of thing. So I always say, um, for me, the biggest thing in terms of church revitalization that I think is important is to remember you're not the bell of the ball. Mm-hmm. Like um, I think a lot of guys feel like they're kind of uh, slumped. Like well. Uh, I really can't go to a big church and so, and a great or a great church or a growing church. Um, so to make myself kind of look like I'm, I'm choosing this fate, I'm going to say I'm really passionate about church revitalization <laughs> and this church is just really lucky to have me kind of thing, you know, and I think all of us at different levels have felt that temptation. And um, so uh, I've, like I said, I've been here a little over eight years now. So um, we've, we've, um, had some pretty typical, a little ahead. I, I read an article several years ago by Tom Rayner about just different milestones 
in ministry and particularly in revitalization is really helpful. And we've been hitting, we've hit all the milestones pretty much. Um, and, and I think it, during that time, he said the, the fruit, fruitful, most fruitful years are years kind of seven to 10 ish, something like that. And we've been a little ahead of the curve on a lot of those milestones, but, but we've seen that to be the case. Um, and, and so that's, that's been a good thing. I'm, I, I think in terms of, I always say, um, um, I think Mark Dever, I heard one time said, you know, we call it church revitalization now, you know, 50 years ago, it was called pastoring. And, <laughs> right. uh, and so, uh, so, um, but First Baptist Gadsden was, has historically been um, a, a very influential church, not only in the region, but really in the state. Um, it's a well-known church. And a lot of folks who have led broadly in the state have come out of this church. A lot of men who were later called to ministry came out of this church. So it, in, and then it had been in decline really um, in pretty sharp decline for about 30 to 40 years. Mm. It was just been kind of a steady decline. So every 10 to 15 years, the church was losing about 150 in attendance. And, and we were under 150 when I got here. Um, so, you know, I said, you don't have to be great at math to figure that out. Uh, about 15 years left. <laughs> it, it, well, I, I said the money runs out before we get to zero. And, and so, uh, you know, and that kind of thing. So, you know, we kind of recognized and looking back on it, we've, you know, eight years in, we can kind of look back on it and see that if, if we hadn't done some things and made some changes, it could have been, um, it could have been disastrous for the church on a lot of levels. And, and, and I think, any any man who's pastoring a church right now knows exactly what we're what we're talking about and going through. Um, Gadsden is not a tiny town, um, but it, so it's it's just big enough to sort of be victimized by some of the issues that have hit urban centers over the last 20, 30, 40 years. So you had a real kind of suburbanization in Gadsden where a lot of people kind of left downtown, left the city center, those sorts of things. Um, and then furthermore, Gadsden's kind of been plagued and troubled by the loss of, of industry and things like that, where that's kind of hurt the city center. Um, even though the population of the counties held steady in a lot of ways. So what I always say is our, our church has dealt with, everything from uh, very large and aging facilities to parking challenges um, to unfortunately over the years, there, there has been some kind of infighting and, and conflict in, in the past. Um, and then two, um, there's just this sort of uh, when a church has been the premier church and done well for a long time, I don't know if y'all noticed this. Uh, it, it, even Christian people seem to kind of enjoy it when things aren't going well. Um, that's something I, I really can't uh, comprehend. I, I'll tell you what, one time I met this guy and I'd been here for two or three years and I said, Hey, um, we, we just kind of hit it off, had a good conversation. And he said, now, where are you the pastor? And I said, first Baptist Gadsden. And he said, now, where's that again? I said, downtown, we're caddy corner from Johnson's fifth and Walnut. It's a big yellow brick church. He said, first Baptist Gadsden, right? I said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. He said, no, 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 that church is closed. Oh, wow. and i said uh no it's it's not i work there you know <laughs> I, I preached there every he said no 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 some i told somebody that i was going to go visit that church and they said no that church is dead uh you don't want to go there come to my church kind of thing and um so i, I said he, he really like 
we volleyed a couple times over whether our church was open or not. And I said, Hey man, I'm, I'm telling you, I'll show you a pay stub. Like, like you know, what I mean? every day. Like, you know, like I promise, like, I promise I'm the pastor there. And he's like, well, man, I like you. I would have come to visit or something, you know? And I always say, that's nothing my people did. That's nothing this church did. There's just a sense in which sometimes people kind of relish um, a church that had been successful in the past and done well in the past. And, and I get that. I mean, we all meet people who are going to a church that's growing and thriving and they're prideful about it or condescending about other churches. And, you know, so, so that's been, you know, just kind of a reputation that's not, wasn't always fair was a challenge for our church as well. We we're, we're also a traditional church. And so I think over the years, um, there, there, I call it kind of the bless your hearts factor that comes along and, we're still a very traditional church, um, joyfully so. Um, but I always say to our staff and our folks, I say, we, we want to make sure it's really clear that we're this way on purpose. We don't ever we want anyone to ever come to our church and think, bless their hearts. Like we know there are other options, you know, like I know Hillsong exists, you know, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. And, uh, and uh, I'm just, <laughs> uh, I, like, I know that that stuff is out there, you know, and uh, we, we, we are choosing to, to worship this way and, and to, honor and maintain that identity we've had in the past. So um, that's, you know, that's, that's a challenge is is trying to help um, people see, no, we, we didn't get stuck in a time warp. Like we, and and maybe there is that case with a lot of churches, but that's one thing I want to say to a lot of guys who um, are taking on church revitalization efforts. I think they come in and what they, you know, they, they immediately think bless their hearts you know, like this is, this is, we're stuck in a time warp here. And um, what they want to do is say the way to remedy that and to fix that is to change everything and bring everything up to date. And I always say you're actually working harder, not smarter when you Mm -hmm. do that, because more and more people are, don't necessarily want um, what one friend of mine calls tennis shoe church. And I I thank God for that. You know what I mean? Like we praise we praise God for that. We, we talk a lot here about how thankful we are that the Lord's given us different kinds of churches. I think a lot of guys want to just rip the DNA out of a church, right? Mm. And just immediately shift over to whatever uh, church down the road is doing to try to reach young people. And what they wind up doing is just sort of superimposing something that is not a natural fit. So they wind up being just sort of the poor man's version of a healthy church downtown. And it becomes actually like instead of just a single bless your heart, it becomes like quadruple bless your heart because you got a lot of people that not only uh, uh, miss the way they were doing church and it was not really being done with excellence. Well, now they hate the way they're doing church now and, and it's not being done with excellence. So I always just say, let's turn up, let's turn up the factor. Let's take what we do and do it really well and help the church grow in that. Let's, we, 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 we said we honor our past and embrace our future at the same time, honor the DNA of the church and figure out, I always phrase it like this, like we're First Baptist Church Gadsden. They say we're really good at being First Baptist, you know, like we're, that's who we are. That's who we are by nature. I could try, I could beat my head against the wall and I'm not going to get First Baptist Church to stop being First Baptist. You know, it's who they are and don't go. I mean, I should, I should have come fighting like that. You know what right, I mean? If, right. if I'm not in that end of that, I should just don't go. Um, and then, but then I say, we need to, but two areas we can grow in and always do better. We can always be more faithful. We can do a better job of being the church. That's the most important thing that, that comes before we're first Baptist, before we're anything, 
before we honor our pastor or anything else, we honor the Lord. Now, let's figure out how we can take our DNA of being First Baptist Church, honor Jesus as the church, and then say, in 2020 or when I got here, you know, 2012 or whatever else, we're in Gadsden, Alabama right now. Okay, how do we how do we take who we are and what it means to be the church and reach Gadsden? Mm. How do we make those people feel welcome and see that we love them and care about them? And so thankfully we were able to then to cultivate what I call like a ministry of addition rather than a ministry of subtraction. So a lot of things are already in place and folks love them. Just leave them like they are and then start new stuff. And they don't, then people don't mind, you know, as long as you're loving them and cherishing them. And so we were able to add a lot of ministries that were able to speak and reach out to young families and others. And our people rejoiced in that. You know, they rejoiced in that. They loved it. So yeah, that's everything kinda, you're talking about, uh, Matt, is just, I mean, so relatable to the average pastor. That's right. You're, you're talking about things that, I mean, it's not rocket science. It's not brain surgery. It's not, I mean, people want a silver bullet. They want a quick fix. You know, if they realize their church is uh, in decline or had a long season of stagnation without growth. I mean, they're, they're wanting the, yep. the, how can you, how can you tell me, Matt, Alexander, Mr. Church revitalization specialist, how can you tell me how to fix my church in, you know, six months? Yeah. You what can't. would you say to those guys? I mean, um, I would just say you can't. And the harder you try to do it in six months, the more likely that you'll be trying to figure out how to fix another church. That's, that's right. Six months down the road. And, um, I think, um, I, yeah, I, what you're talking about though, there is this kind of urgency that we feel. I, mm-hmm. I'll never forget. Um, my first Sunday is precious saint of the Lord. She's with the Lord. Now she came up to me and she said, we got a young preacher and his young, pretty wife and y'all got a little baby. And now we are just, it's going to be so easy for us now to reach young families. <laughs> And that's what uh, people think. Hire the young guy. They do. And I would say young, first of all, young pastors are overrated. Uh, second, they are not a, a, a silver bullet. Like you said, um, second of all, there isn't, there isn't a silver bullet. And, uh, I, I do, I will say though, I do think that biblical faithful preaching is the Archimedean point from which a church turns. Now there's all kinds of other important work. I don't want anybody to get mad, you know, or whatever else. There's all kinds of other important work, but I still think every aspect of the church is impacted by the preached word. Absolutely. And um, every aspect from our one-on-one discipleship, group discipleship, Sunday school, the culture of a church and the formation of disciples, it begins with the, the, the local church. I mean, with the preaching of the word, in the local church. So, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm going to say I'm biased. I would just say if I, if I was encouraging God to go revitalize a church, I would say start with a commitment to biblical preaching, you know, and, and define it well, define biblical preaching well. And, um, and, and I, I define biblical preaching typically as expository preaching, but I'm not going to go all in on that because I don't, you know, I don't want people to get too, too mad about this you faithfully preach the text and let the text drive the pulpit that's kind of i think i think you were to ask our people or, or anyone here i think they would by and large say that's the biggest contributing factor for us in and then what happened then is we began to catch a vision for what the scripture teaches about what the church should be and what we should be doing driven from the word you know it's word first not strategy first well then we begin to get a vision for reaching young families and for reaching our city and people begin to see the bigness and glory and greatness of God. And these little things, they still matter. They don't have to not, it doesn't have to not matter, you know, 
but they begin to catch a vision for that and it just greases the wheels, you know? Yeah. And, it's and amazing we said, when you help people engage in the word of God and the gospel, it's amazing what can happen. Yeah. And because, listen, some dude is going to be listening to this and he's going to say, I've been preaching the word faithfully for 10 years and I'm still getting my tail end kicked at every deacon's meeting. I understand that. And I, I don't, you know, I'm not such a like pie in the sky kind of guy. I, you know, nothing drives me crazier than the guys, right? If you'll just preach the word, your church will grow or whatever else. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I mean, that's not true. Right. It's not true. There are churches that are dying right now that have pastors who are more faithful to the word than I am in the pulpit mm-hmm. every Sunday. Um, but I do think, but I don't think any recipe for turning a church around uh, can, can, can skip the crucial ingredient. Right. Yeah. You can have the great strategies and ministries and programs, but man, if, if the, if the lead teacher is not teaching faithfully God's word, it's going to be for not every time. Yeah. Absolutely. Or it's just going to wither on the vine. There's whatever right. fruit and growth you see will eventually wither on the vine. I think. Or, or people will leave and go to a church that, that is preaching faithfully. Right. And, and, and I'll just say, or, or a church who's not preaching faithfully better than you. You know, and like, uh, <laughs> that's a good point. I mean, you know, like that's just kind of part of that's, it. Hey, that's a dose of reality. Well, let me ask yeah. you this because something you said, we've talked around this a little bit, but faithfully preaching the word is really important. So, have you, have you experienced, have you had to fight the battle of, I mean, we're in, we're in the, you know, the Bible Belt, right? Have you had to fight the battle of the gospel or God's word versus politics? Because a lot of people make those two things synonymous, at least. Yeah, I'm sure I've got some folks who wish I would do a little more on politics, but by and large, they, they don't tell me that. Um, But I'm telling you, man, like I am spoiled by the saints at First Baptist Gadsden. They, um, um, I've, I've preached on politics a few times. I, I always just say when I have, you know, you know, the folks who you think, or either not gonna like, you know, kind of not like it. And one Sunday I, I preached on politics and I remember thinking, I wonder if this guy's gonna give me grief after this. And um, both, both of the men that one, one's very right and one's very left. And both of them came up to me after church and both said, pastor, thank you. I needed that sermon. Oh, wow. Uh, today. And, and not just on politics, but on so many issues. I'll just say, uh, recently I, I preached on something and, and someone who I thought, if anyone's going to get mad today, it's me, this person, right? And, and they came up to me afterward, and um, I can't remember who it was now, but I just remember this moment, and they said, Pastor, thank you. I so desperately needed to hear what the Lord had to say about that in my heart and my life. I thought, Matt, you stinking coward. <laughs> You wanted to let your fear of man get between the Lord Jesus Christ and that sheep who desperately needed to hear his word that Sunday. And you were more afraid of what he would think than whether or not he heard what the Lord had to say to him that day. And I thought, what, what cowardice that is. So I I would just say, um, and listen, I'm anytime we preach on a hard text and somebody comes up and says, man, you're brave to preach on that preacher. I said, no, I'm too much of a coward. I just, I just want to fear God more than I'm afraid of you. Hopefully I, I hope you'll pray for me for that. I need, I need them to pray for me that I'll be bold in preaching what God would have me preach. Yeah. So wow. I just say um, a few things that I've learned. One, if, if I address it in the pulpit from the word, 
people are 1 million times more receptive than if I share it on Facebook or Twitter or something like that. Yep. You know, Baptists, I think a lot of people misunderstand Baptists. They think that they don't want you to deal with hot topic issues. It's not that so much as if you will deal with it from the word in the pulpit, you get so much more grace from Baptist people because they believe in, they have a high view of the pulpit and they believe that they, their preacher ought to be able to have freedom by and large to preach his conscience and the scriptures from the pulpit. And so even when people have disagreed with me, when I do it from the pulpit and clearly from the pulpit, they like that a lot more. Whereas when I've gotten in mess over the years dealing with hot button issues, it's almost always been something I've written or something I've shared on Facebook or something like that, where it begins to get a lot. But you know, you, we owe it to our churches, right. To deal with things in house. <laughs> they, just don't, they just don't want their preacher getting out, out away from them and embarrassing them or anything else like that. So That's we have right. to be careful, you know, or, or feeling like they've been, you know, you're posting this on Facebook. It was really convicting for me. And I feel excluded by my pastor now, rather than when it's in the pulpit, this is it's sort of like a covenant moment. We're all together. It's clearly in love. You know, I've got the right tone. They know me. They know it's from the text. I preach ex expository sermons, so they know I didn't just decide to preach on this this week. It just goes a long way when you're dealing with any sort of hot button issues. And then several years ago, um, I just, I purposed to say, I want to have a, a, okay, so I think the scripture has a meta narrative, right? You know, that the, all of the Bible is pointing, pointing us to the gospel all culminates in Jesus. So I just say, if, if I have to have a default tone in preaching, I want it to be a tone of grace. So I have like a, like a, a meta approach that if I, I want my default tone when I preach to be a gospel tone, does that make any sense? And so that Absolutely. Was yeah. I think it's, me. I think it's Ray Ortland that says a message of grace will attract people, but a culture of grace will keep people around. So, yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. yeah that's wonderful. Yeah. So I say, I, I think so often we so desire to be prophetic in the pulpit mm. and there is certainly a time to be prophetic in the pulpit, but we are not called to be old Testament prophets. We are called right. to be shepherds and pastors. We are heralds of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as we preach the whole mm -hmm. counsel of God, I want to, I want to bring that to bear as a shepherd of people who have been brought into a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not saying there's never moments where we need to be, uh, prophetic or sharp or whatever else, but that if we're going to default to something, it's a, a, it's graciousness. And so that's helped me a lot of times see the way that that has transformed the way my people even receive rebuke and correction when they know that typically I'm, I'm going to be gracious. So I was really convicted about that several years ago and, 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 and it dawned on me, I was being really harsh. And so I talked to my associate pastor and just said, Hey, can Let's try to show grace to the Lord's people in the pulpit. And he's helped me grow in that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Matt, let me, let me ask you this as kind of, we close our time out. Uh, you've talked about your experience there with revitalization. We've talked about how that's a struggle for a lot of pastors and it's, it's a long arduous. I mean, it is a tough, tough yeah. process for you and your family and for the church. It takes a lot of work, a lot of commitment, yeah. And then you're, you're talking about the value of just preaching God's word, of letting the text drive your point and, and where you're going to go. Those two things, obviously, we see hand in hand. But our conversations that you and I've had and, and what we've seen of your ministry, we've seen you to be a very transparent person. You know, you're, you're not trying to 
be one person in the pulpit or one person with your uh, with your staff or one person at lunch with a church member. You're you're Matt, no yeah. matter what. I mean, that's the goal. Yeah, I mean, you you some people might even call you the baby pastor. You know, so who knows? Yeah, yeah, but uh, <laughs> uh, and that and that kind of stuff happens. I mean, and you you embrace that. You don't you don't mind laughing and you don't mind struggling with people and everything. Let me ask you this as, as, a, as a way to encourage people who might be listening today. How does your personality, how do you let God use your personality That's in right. ministry for such a huge task like revitalization and to, to take on the role of, all right, I'm going to be a preacher of God's word and I want to be true to, to the authoritative, inerrant word of God, but I don't want to be likes so-and-so or, or like so yeah so i always say there's kind of like i think if you're given if you have proclivities toward that sort of thing and i went southern seminary and uh love the institution love i mean i'm back at southern seminary now working on another degree so i'm a i, I love it um but uh and i went to university mobile before that so um there's a, there's a lot of jerks in ministry and there's a, there's a lot of guys who you just can't, it's like talking to a brick wall mm. in ministry. They're, they're so into these things that they can't just function and be a person. And I think we all feel tempted toward that. Right. And, and I'm not trying to like downplay those things, but I think some guys feel such a need to be holy that they think that means you need to be sour and stern. Mm. And, and, and we've seen that. And that's a lot, that's a lot from the devil, you know, Never. or that there, you need to be sort of aloof, and uh, that, that any sort of like personableness and love for your people and just the ability to hang out and go to dinner with folks or whatever, it feels like worldliness to a lot of us, I think, because maybe their lives don't always quite match up with ours uh, or whatever else. And say, listen, if, if, if the Lord Jesus had done that, we would all be in big trouble. Yeah, right? we would. So I, it took me some time. Um, this is a, this is a traditional church and it's, um, uh, um, so early on, I, I was young, and so I felt this need to be uh, um, more formal and, and that sort of thing. And then over time, I've had to kind of grow into just kind of to be myself. So a few things like my dad helped me with that. Uh, my dad is not – he he was a black sheep for a while and strayed from the Lord for a while. And he's always told me, like, if you become one of these fake preachers and don't act like yourself, like, like I'm going to disown you. And so he really keeps me, uh, he keeps me in line. In fact, what he said is if you get preacher hair, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm telling you if you become one of these preacher hair guys. That's awesome. Preacher hair. I love it. I don't yeah. think I have preacher hair cause I still have a great relationship with my dad. He comes to church here. So my <laughs> Just enjoy the fact that you still have hair. Man. I have hair. Yeah, I do. Uh, so that's been really helpful. And then like, um, I don't know, like kind of just getting out of the bubble and spending eight years pastoring in a church has just helped a lot where, and, and I had a mentor who helped me with this a lot too, where, you know, you can, you can be yourself and serve the Lord. So when we'd gone through a tough season here, I, I just remember thinking if, if, if I can't be me, I'm, I can't do this very long and I much longer at all. And so at that point, I just said, you know what? God put me here. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like rub. I don't want my personality to be the main thing. I don't want any of that, but I'm just going to enjoy being here. I've got a lot of joy in what I'm doing. And if somebody doesn't like joy, I can't do much for them, you know, and by and large, um, I think our people have responded well to that. Now, I don't think, 
at the same time, I do think it's probably wise, right, not to just go full in on day one. And there are things I can say and do now that if I'd done on the first day, I think our folks would have really had kind of been taken aback by now. They're kind of right. used to it. But, you know, like one day, uh, sometimes like it's kind of almost like a joke sometimes for some people. Sometimes I'll, I'll kind of get on a roll about something. And one Sunday morning, our, our music minister just kind of looked out in the crowd and said, do I need to go get him, you know, or whatever? And everybody starts <laughs> laughing. Like, so it's kind of like people just kind of know, know what I'm like now. And um, I don't ever use that as a license just to say or do whatever I want. I want to honor our people, honor the Lord, but just with, with, with some joy and love, try to, try to demonstrate that. So I think, um, I think if you can find some joy in it and find a way to let your personality thrive in a situation, it helps with longevity. And I, you know, pastors have a tendency to want to portray anything they do as a virtue, you know, like, like, um, somebody the other day said like, man, you've been a friend of mine was like, yeah, you've been at first bad for eight years now, man. That's a pretty good tenure. I said, yeah. And I don't even tweet about it every day, you know, like, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I think it's real easy. Like somebody was like, man, more, more pastors ought to, ought to make the sacrifice and stay. And I was like, that's where you're wrong. It's not a sacrifice for me to stay here. Mm it's great. Like, I love it. They treat me really well and love me and they listen to the word every Sunday and they love my family. And I get gift certificates to Pruitt's barbecue for pastor appreciation month. Oh, and you know what I mean? So they just, they'd be, give me nice. They're sweet to me and kind to me and love my family, love my kids and, and everything else to so say, I, why it would be disingenuous. How insulting would it be for the Lord's people? If I were on Twitter every day, like, like, you just need to, no matter what, stay committed and, and stay it out and stick it out. That's such an insult. Like I, I'm not, I'm not here as a sacrifice and I'm not like, I'm not sacrificing other opportunities. I'm here cause I love it. Amen. You know what I mean? Like I, I didn't always love it, but I'm here, but I'm here because I love it. And I think if I hadn't begun to figure out how to be me and kind of who I've always been, and I was, you know, senior class clown kind of thing. And if oh, I could, really? yeah, yeah. And if I hadn't <laughs> been able to figure that out, I, I don't think I would be able to say that now. I don't think I would be able to say, you know, I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm enjoying it, you know? And that's why I'm, I'm at First Baptist Gadsden um, because I love to be at First Baptist Gadsden. And if you if guys I'm, heard that here, you can be in ministry in the middle of revitalization, in the middle of a pandemic, and you can still have joy in ministry. Man, just, man, and if you, if you can't, it, listen, I'll just say our, our lives, let me just say this, our lives are bigger than our ministries. Amen. And like our, our lives and our relationship with Christ is worth more than our pastorates. Amen. And and I had a guy in my church in the darkest moments of, of this, of, of, our revitalization effort at First Baptist Gadsden. I think I'm a regular pastor now. I, I don't think I wouldn't call what we're doing now revitalization. Um, um, but, but in other words, if somebody came and t- took my place here right now, they, it, it would be kind of disingenuous to say that they're doing church revitalization. Right, right. But it, when it really was like kind of stereotypical revitalization effort, um, it was a rough time, man. I was struggling, and uh, a, a doctor in our church who I love dearly took me to took me to coffee one day, and he said, "Matt, 
your your life and your ministry is not bound up in whether this works or not. Mm. And he's like, you've got, there's life beyond this. And, and like, you've got to get some air here and just know that like you, you can't run yourself into the ground for the sake of this, like do all you can. But you know what? That gave me enough oxygen to keep going, you know, just to, just to come up for air for a minute. So that's what I would just say to any brother who's struggling right now. I think we get, get this idea that our lives are bound up with our ministries in a way that I think is really unhelpful and really unhealthy. I would just say, if you can't find joy, pray for a season that the Lord will give you joy where you are. But at some point or another, maybe the Lord's releasing you from, from being in that assignment because you're not serving your people or your family or yourself well in that moment. You know, I just, yeah. I just hate the thought give of a sabbatical. Yeah. I mean, some kind know? of time out. Yeah. And I'm not saying everybody's always gonna be happy in ministry. You know, I mean, I've got a thousand different things that are stressing me out right now. You know what I mean? And things I'm figuring out how to figure and juggle. And this, I mean, I'm not saying eventually it becomes perfect or whatever else, but I think, I think that's the beauty of Christian theology is that we find joy in all circumstances, you know? And uh, it's sort of like, you know, our people are in the hospital and getting laid off and are fired and they're struggling and going through all this different kind of stuff. And here, here we get to get paid to study and preach the Bible every week. And surely we can find some joy in those circumstances if they're, if they're finding joy in their cancer diagnosis or whatever else, if that's really what we're preaching, it's hard. You have to fight for it. Had to struggle with it to find the joy in it every day. But to me, that's one of the big keys for longevity and everything else in, in ministry. You know, that's well said, man. That what an encouragement. What a way to end our conversation, Matt. Thank you so much, man, for for spending a few minutes with us and uh, for just sharing a little bit about your ministry, your life, and uh, we appreciate it, man. Man, thanks, guys. I appreciate Sweet. it. Yeah, man. Enjoyed it, Matt. Thank you, guys, yep. for listening. Yep, we know you've been encouraged and equipped. So we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app.